Coming to you live from the Cross Country Mortgage Campus in Berea, Ohio, this is Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by BallyBet, coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Here are your hosts, Bo Bishop and Nathan Zagura. Let's do it live on a get out of town Friday edition of Cleveland Browns Daily. Merely Bo, the great Gibbe. How you doing, buddy? Light, hit your light. Oh, man, light like, out of the case. I, I, I got. I sat down. That's I'm why like, it's a great hit. This today. That's why your boy hits it. I got lots of things going on. <laughs> like, let me just make sure all the ducks are in a row. Yeah. And the one stupid mute button. Mute Never button mind the fact the mic is on, but I'm muted, muted. still. Yeah. If you only had a light. When they when they rooted the even studio. the light in that situation, well, it would I don't right work because it well it'd be like the cough button, like the cough button's like the the mute. Yeah. So that like when you hit the cough, and then it's come back on. So that would be the same on the mute, where it would be it would serve the same purpose. And like in a traditional studio, when they when you hit the cough, the light goes off on your mic. Correct. So that would be the difference. You'd have to. That's one thing that when it, whenever we get your designs approved and we redo this to your specs. It's not just the on-air light, because that won't solve it. No. It's the individual microphone on-air light is what's needed. You need to have one on the mic. Just putting one up there, over there, all of the mics are hot when that light is on, but your light, you also need to have one when your microphone is on. Correct. We spent a lot of time talking about the on-air light, which would be helpful to know, hey, you're on-air, but you also need both. The mic was on. Right, but it was it's, essentially a cough yeah. button. Yeah, so you really do need two. You need two lights uh, is, is where you are on that. Uh, it is a, a mailbag day. Get your uh, questions to us at Browns underscore daily uh, on Twitter at Browns, and we'll, uh, we'll answer those in the it, 2 o'clock. It's getaway hour. day for you, my friend. It is getaway right. day it, for me. It, yeah. Is Bootsy packed? No, it's uh, – they have um, – they've finally reached an age where we can – uh, all do carry-ons. So if you know anything about me, know this. There is no expense that I will pay, that I will I will hesitate to pay, at to make the airplane experience best. So I've flown with family for a long time. We fly a lot. We go to have to go to California, Montana every year. That's minimum requirement, so those two flights. So I got clear. I got TSA pre. You, I, I'm locked done in. Like, that I've done can. everything that I can do. I don't have... Uh, global services like uh, a buddy of mine does that's a whole nother level by the way that global services thing what that's, is that I, basically like, like you're a diplomat oh you just walk on how do i get that everything flies free upgrades all the time you just walk on become a vp of fortune 500 company and then you can oh. do that um fly a lot that's part of it um so but anyway i do everything that i can to make sure that this goes smoothly and i'm very excited because we discovered when we went to disney back in february that we are now a family that can entirely do carry-ons. We do not have to check bags anymore. So this is a game changer in every way, right? It's a game changer at, especially here, where it's just a disaster uh, flying out of here, um, especially this time of year. Like the lines are going to be ridiculous Again, the tomorrow. Wednesday to Thursday option. Forget it. You will look back on. It I know now. it, but, but I maybe think we should have done. I think some a lot of people. I think flew. Wednesday and Thursday too. I and today I think well, there's been a lot of it's it. It's March. Yeah, so, so it's going to be chaos. Matter. Anyway, um, 
this this allows for us to not have to deal with quite so much of that. You go to the clear line, you go to the TSA pre. That's pretty quick, usually. Um, so I'm excited about that. So this morning on the way to school, the boys are like, "Well, what about our golf clubs?" And my I go, "Well, don't we have some out there?" I thought we had some out there that they could just play play with. And so my father-in-law sends a picture. I don't know. You might want to pack their bags. And I'm like, I snapped. I'm like, I we are not checking bags, okay? Like, if I got to buy new golf clubs out there, we're buying new golf clubs. I'm not checking bags. We're not. Um, so we're dealing with that. Bootsy hit me yesterday with, I need I need new movies. Like, I'm right in the middle of a thousand things. I need, he hands me the iPad. I need more new movies on the iPad downloaded. <sighs> so all right, it'll just be a situation where, once you get to desired location, when everything and up until that point is going to be a debacle, we fly at five thirty in the morning. So that's a, I don't know, three a.m. wake up. That's a, I mean, we board. The, I've never been on a flight like this in my life. I've been on red eyes. I've never been on five thirty takeoff. Oh, I have. That's a four fifty-five a.m. boarding. Yeah, it feels like that's where they're going now at a Hopkins. That that's that. That it's they're doing that early. really early 6 a.m. window thing. Yep, that's I'm in the landing and takeoff pattern. It's 6 a.m. when I hear the first plane, I'm like, well, it's 6 a.m. Yeah, and they're going, and yep. that's the way. Yeah, it's wild. I don't. It seems like I used to fly at seven and eight a lot, and now that's. I think that's cooked. So, I don't know. We'll do the best we can, um, and hope for the best. Do tomorrow. you allow? Do you allow the boys to pack their own bags? No. The carry-ons. No. No, okay. no, because you have to have a you, that, those things got to be packed strategically. Uh, I don't even let them pack their backpacks because they will put everything in there. Correct. My oldest is of the of the uh, opinion that everything that he owns needs to be going. And I'm like, let's pare this down a little bit. I won't even let them take jackets. I don't care how cold it is tomorrow morning. There is not going to be a jacket where you're in going. The car. You don't need jackets. No. So we're so we're not uh, we're not doing that. So I, I'm a minimalist in this sense. Well, we'll see and, how it and goes. We we are of the same. Yeah. In that situation, so a few years ago, my my girls, my wife goes, I think we're they're of the age where I think we can let them pack. <laughs> like, let's give them a little freedom. They were I'm 35. Like, well, uh, this is uh, we're going to Florida. <laughs> so good news. There's there's a lot of stuff already there at the in-laws. Mm-hmm. So okay. You want to do this? Let's dance and let's see what we got. Of course, the one kid's carry-on gets flagged immediately, oh, yeah. and I'm talking like red sirens. Oh, and I'm gosh. like, what is in that bag? Yep. Like, what did you pack in that bag? Well, she had taken it down to our, our family has a uh, piece of property in southern Ohio. Yep. You know. Oh no. Hunting, fishing, all that stuff. She had picked up. Old shotgun shells. Oh. Guess what's in the bag? Oh, no. Shotgun shells. Empty, but red flag. Yeah, those red are getting flagged. Alerts. Those are going to get They flagged. start unpacking the bag, and my wife is like, oh, my God, I made a mistake. Oh. Like, they're start like, it's stuffed animals. It's, there's not clothes. <laughs> She's like, what? We had to, when we got to Florida, we had to go shopping. As soon as they do that, too, it's as soon as they zip open the bag, you're like, I'm never getting all that back in there again. And they always, you always, oh, let's take it all out. Really? Come on. Still, we're still doing that. There's yeah. got to be a better way to lock that up, uh, certainly. So, Godspeed. Uh, we'll need all of it uh, tomorrow. You'll By the way, um, uh, 80 is in charge of Buddy Garrity. 
couple of days, Sunday they, and Monday, they, I believe. She came she's, back from Florida today. Yeah, so. she's locked in. She's there's, she's all locked in. I don't know. My wife's like, I don't know how this is going to go. We've got people set up for like, you know, every three hours to come, you know, for him to do his business or whatever. And um, I'm like, look, you're not going to do better than this. This is as good as it's going to get. It's, it's his home. He's familiar. Like, that's it's a win. Yeah, he's going to have new people to hang out with. He'll yeah. be excited with that. He'll be he good. likes people. Great. Yeah, he'll be good. Um, so, I, real quick, did you watch the – let's do the basketball stuff first, and we'll get into Lamar's Absolutely. weirdness. Did you watch the hoops last night? I, I turned on Michigan State, Kansas State, with about three minutes to go in the game, in regulation. So, do you know the story on this Marquise Noel kid? A little bit, but not a lot. So – the only reason I do is my middle boy Beamsy is a big uh, Kansas fan, and so he we've I've seen Kansas State play a few times this year, um, and so I, I was a little bit familiar with him uh, at the beginning of the tournament. A lot more familiar with him now. So five seven one eighty five one fifty five is the listed five seven one fifty five is the listed on him. Um, he is he played three full seasons at Arkansas Little Rock, so. I don't have a point of reference on that, but I would imagine that is pretty close to anonymity. I don't, I don't, I mean, that's, I don't know where, what the attendance records are there. My guess is not a lot, but I mean, nobody like signed play. IUPUI. Uh, right. I mean, it's yeah. going to be very slim pickings when it comes to that. So plays three years there, plays last year at K State. I think Bruce Weber was the coach at K State uh, last year. Yes. Your boy from Illinois. I'm pretty sure he was still there. There might have been a guy in between him and, uh jerome tang there might have been um he is the lone hole there are two holdovers they had 12 players on their team last year 10 new players this year he is one of two holdovers for jerome tang who's a coach at kansas state now um they were picked to finish 10th in the in the preseason in the big 12 they were ranked much of the year they really bumped up they beat kansas in manhattan in like january and that's where really they jumped up to being a ranked team and uh kind of had a little bit of a run he is what's beautiful of that turn. What's beautiful in that tournament? There probably is not a pro career there for him. Not in the NBA. I mean, he could play overseas and stuff, but NBA will be tough. But for a night, a New York City kid who somehow ends from from New York City to Arkansas Little Rock to K State to Madison Square Garden, balls out, and everybody saw it. You're not beating that. You're not beating that. Um, his idol was Kemba Walker. Remember Kemba Walker's yeah. run in the Big East tournament oh, yeah. years ago? Tortured um, Duke a couple times. Yeah. Remind me a little bit of another UConn guard, uh, Shabazz, Shabazz Napier, when oh, they yeah. made that run to the national title. Like, sometimes you get a guard that's hot and you just go, and they have that. They now have a moment. Like, if they win the national title, that moment where Jerome Tang is trying to call a play and he waves it off and out of the corner of his eye hits the guy in the alley-oop in overtime. They're literally it – literally, at one point, I'm like, "Is that staged? Where they're like trying to fight with each other?" They denied it. Know where he just chucks it. They up. denied it. I think it was staged. I think so too. It felt to me like a stage. They denied it post game, but it felt like I hope it was staged. I think it's more brilliant if it was. Absolutely. Yeah. That yeah. was a, that was an amazing play. The fact Michigan State came back and forced overtime. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it. It's a great game. It was. It might have been one of the better games that we've seen from the tournament in the last few years, much yeah. less this year. Yeah. And then there was an – I didn't – so the other one that I was excited to watch was Gonzaga-UCLA. That one was a 945 tip. So I watched until 11, and UCLA's up 13 at half. That was half. It was 11 o'clock. It was half. I'm like, I can't. I'm done. That's my. This is the witching hour. 
And I wake up this morning, I see Gonzaga came back and won and beat him with a three. With a, with use, they use the Villanova play. Yeah. The inbounder trail, step into the three. It's great. All I know is that they were saying something about the, the one kid from Gonzaga, and I don't remember his name, being like maybe the greatest player to come out of Gonzaga. Drew Timmy. That dude couldn't hit the broadside of a barn from the free throw line. No, he can't shoot free throws. It's the damnedest thing. Um, he had 37 points, 13 rebounds. He's a good shooter, but for whatever reason, he can't shoot free throws. So he's kind of like everything he does is like only for the college game. He's a two-time second-team All-American. This year he's a first-team All-American. So he's a three-time All-American. And he can do everything except shoot free. It's just crazy. What? Doesn't even make sense because he's got great no. touch. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I he could it, it drove me crazy because I hate that more than anything else. I Make know a free it. throw, man. Especially when you can shoot it. Yeah. Like, he shoots okay. It's just – it was strange. Uh, I'm glad you put this in here. The Cavs won last night on a last-second shot. Yes, I did see the guy in the blue shirt. Like, at the bottom, just – you know what? It, I caught it the second time. I go, who's the guy jumping up and down guy? losing his – and then I looked again. I'm like, oh, this is great. It was so good. If you haven't seen it, uh, it's making its way around on the socials uh, this morning, and you're able to see it. It's it's definitely worth I mean, your time. The guy just devastated about a meaningless regular season loss. And he meaningless. Have, he had to have some cash on it, right? I or he's delusional. I mean, one of the he's two. literally like a coach screaming for the yeah to, to cover the corner. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's just circling back. I just yeah, I see that you have this in the note in terms of the television ratings. One Power Five so far in the Elite Eight, just Kansas State, and they are definitely in the bottom quarter of Power Five brands. So it's Kansas State, FAU. Gonzaga is basically Duke West. They don't have the longevity, but that's basically what they are. I do. There's a ratings component to them that's positive, and then UConn. Who, so, who I think people are sleeping on. Yeah, I just don't UConn think anybody really sees good, the Big East because all their games are on FS1, Yep. so nobody sees that league. Um, but they annihilated Arkansas. So – it's uh, from a TV standpoint. It's, it's it could be awful. bad. Yeah, they, they, they really need, need number ones to win tonight. <laughs> they need Alabama, which is a you know it's a brutal story, but it's an interesting brutal story. You need Alabama. You need either Houston or Texas. I think you're fine. Either one of those teams come out of the other side over there, and then you need Gonzaga and you need Kansas State. That's kind of your path in terms of because this Noel kid could he could be a star. He could he could carry it a little bit. So from an NFL perspective. Really one of the strangest things I've seen. <laughs> I was driving home when the, all this was going yeah. down. It was wild. So I caught up on this last night involving Lamar Jackson. So by now you no doubt know, at least have a decent handle on what's going on there. Um, Lamar Jackson does not have an agent. And most people around the league believe, I think correctly, that a very big reason that he's in this position and that, that the Ravens are in this position is because he doesn't. Because there isn't any, there's a, a lot of factors here with not having an agent. Number one, all of the stuff that you would say to an agent that then could be sugar coated before it gets to you is now said directly to you. So hard feelings are now said. Uh, low ball offers have now been heard. They don't all have to be heard if you have an agent. They can hide that stuff from you. Um, and so I think that's the the first thing. The second thing, now that we're in this phase where he's able to talk to other teams, because he doesn't have an agent, there isn't anybody to say. Hey, what's he worth on the open market? Like, call up a, a general manager, call up an owner, and say, "Hey, what? You know, we deal with you guys all the time. Give me an idea. What do you think he's worth on the open market?" There's nobody to do that. So yesterday, the NFL sent out a memo to all teams saying that a guy by the name of Ken Francis is trying to negotiate on behalf of Lamar Jackson, and that he's actually prohibited from doing so. 
So Tom Pelissero tweets out, Ken Francis is a Florida man, of course, who most recently was a pitching a home fitness invention, I'm told. He now is trying to negotiate a nine-figure contract with NFL teams for being told they're not allowed to negotiate with him because he's not a certified agent. Lamar responds to this. He actually quote tweeted this. Stop lying. That man never tried to negotiate for me. He does not say that he didn't try and call teams for me. He just said he didn't try to negotiate Correct. for me. And that could be Tom's mistake. It could be. Who knows? Lamar then, a couple hours later, dropped a tweet saying his business partner, Ken and him, will be dropping a new product line called The Entire Gym this summer. Post a tweet and he'll handle it. And this honestly looks like an SNL skit. It's him with a rolling suitcase going out on a football field and pulling out what looks like a shake weight yes, and a yoga pad and doing nonsense. And you just go, how did we get here? How do we get to this point? <laughs> I, I felt like when I saw Crazy. that, I was like, someone needs to do a mental health check on Lamar. Like, in all fairness, I, agree. I feel like he might have gone off the deep end here. I, <laughs> how did we get How did to this, this guy point? get this access? Yeah. How did this Ken Francis guy, who did? who is he, how did he get this access? Um, it's a mess. And it, it's hard feelings left and right from Lamar's standpoint. He's taking all of this very personal, obviously. You can see that from his tone. It reminded me a little bit. You remember there was that handler that got a hold of Britney Spears? Yes. Sam Lefty or something like that Real 20 years ago. Work. Real piece of work. Um, that's kind of what – I'm just like, why are – what are we doing here? Like, let's just get this deal done and – you know, I'm not in any – I have no interest in the Ravens. I hope they don't have Lamar Jackson. It would benefit all of us Correct. if we didn't have to deal with him all the time. Uh, but at the same time, like, it's a former MVP of the league. Like, let's let's get this locked up a little bit. I, And, again, the fact that no one's talking to him. <laughs> no. I mean, he's literally on an island. Now, Seems like it. Things are going to get interesting, I think, this weekend. We're going we're gonna to get some clarity, hopefully, because this weekend is the owners' meetings. Right. And it, they're in Phoenix. They're at the Biltmore. There you nice go. little place we've been before. Yep. Um, I believe some of it starts tomorrow, but the bulk of it is Sunday, Monday. Okay. Uh, coaches breakfast Monday. Our guy Poizal will be on the ground. AB's talking to people on Sunday. Um, so uh, it, it we're going to get an idea because the Ravens people all have to talk. Yeah. <laughs> and – it's going to be quite interesting to hear what they have to say, given this situation. And does someone reach out to Lamar this weekend and try to do something? Yeah. Look, it's, it is a really, really tricky uh, spot, right? Because as we've said with the Lamar thing, like if at any point somebody, if somebody makes him an offer, they're basically doing the negotiating for the Ravens themselves it's almost it has to happen at the ownership level, which is probably why it could happen this weekend, like saying, hey, he's not coming back there. What would you guys take for him? And and that's that's probably your best shot, I, quite I honestly. I think so. I, I don't it, – it, none of this none of this is good. Every time something happens, when is the Lamar interview with Lamar coming I out? don't know, is man. this weekend? I don't know. When are going to see that? Like Lamar interviewing know. Lamar. Yeah. Um, Sometimes you just – you can't do everything by yourself, man. You not can't. Not something this like, – there's a lot going on here. Look. A lot of, it, lot of levers to this. you're going to get as much money as being is reported, yeah. you can afford to give 3% to an agent or 4% to well, an agent. Honestly, the best ones are like one because they've all been negotiated right. down. 
So, like, you know, a lot of the best ones, it's one. So go get yourself a guy. Go yeah. get someone to, to – to, especially if you don't want to play for the Ravens anymore. Like, yeah. if, it, if it's done, which – I mean, all indications are it, it's trending that way. I don't even know how – I don't know how they come back from it, but at the same time, Gibby, I don't know what his options are going to be around the league. You're dwindling. I mean, Atlanta? I mean, that, we always Maybe. go back to Atlanta. I suppose Atlanta, Miami. I mean, those would be the ones if Miami, if they would want Tua in the deal. Those are the two teams that kind of seem to make a little bit of sense, but it's pretty limited. I, I agree. The I Raiders? Don't... Maybe. Well, they just got Garoppolo. So, no, not the Raiders. Well, but if the Raiders are whining and dining Bryce Young. Yeah. Which I, I would think that they would be, yeah, probably no, not the Raiders. I, yeah, I don't know. There could be a wild card out there. There could be the there could be Seattle. Could be Detroit, too. Yeah, I don't know. It's I don't, just ugly. The Detroit one keeps coming back because they've got extra ones. Like, you've got to have the two ones. So, I, well, yeah, yeah, you need – the consecutive year ones is what the minimum requirement is. But as I've said, the problem with that is, is there's no, there's nothing that would, um, as soon as you agree to that, they can match it. So really what you, what you have to have more than anything else is you have to have a deal with Bashadi. What do you, what would you take in a trade? Like a sign and trade situation. It's like an old NBA sign and trade is probably the best path forward. That or a number so big that the Ravens, are comfortable just getting two twos and letting him walk, or two ones and letting him walk. Those are the those are the two paths forward, as you said. But like, when is this gonna when is this gonna come to bed? I think by the draft. I think they're too good of an organization for it not to come by the draft. The the Ravens have just done too much right to not, you know, to not land the plane yeah, on. Yeah, I mean, if if you're the Ravens, you want you want a you want a number one this year well, if you're yeah, gonna lose and it. they don't have any plan B. A quarterback Huntley's not even there anymore I don't think so no he, he's done he walked so there's no I don't know if he's been re-signed but he's but I, I'm pretty sure he's not he's not on their team anymore so there is no plan b for them it's possible they would in any trade maybe they would want a quarterback in return so maybe Miami would make some sense or if you're Atlanta maybe Desmond Ritter would make a little bit of sense um just to get you a, a little bit of a heads up on what you got to look forward to what you have to look forward to tonight on the basketball side of things uh you've got san diego state and alabama that's your early game that's a 6 30 tbs tip and then at 7 15 it's miami and houston that's a 7 15 tip on cbs nine o'clock is princeton and creighton and then 9 45 the night closes with xavier and texas so that is the slate game. it should be i'll never see 9 45 i'm gonna see I, half of it i was gonna say you've got obligations yeah, I mean the game I'm most looking forward to, much like yesterday, is the earliest game. Yesterday it was Kansas State, um, the K State Michigan State game, and it's San Diego State Alabama. That's the one yeah. that's got the most intrigue around it for sure. Yeah. Um, so that's your slate for tonight. One other thing, quickly on that, sure. you will notice that in the in, of the four teams already in the Elite Eight, as I mentioned, only one is a Power Five. In terms of the games over the next couple of days, Alabama will obviously be favored coming out of their region, and they are a Power Five, but they are not a basketball brand in any way, shape, or form. Nope. In fact, the furthest they've ever gone in the tournament as a program is the Elite Eight. They've never been to a Final Four. Texas has been to three Final Fours, most recently 03. The other two are in the 40s. So while they are a big, big brand, they are not a basketball brand in any way, shape, or form. You're going to have a lot of new blood in the NCAA tournament um, over the next couple of weekends, Saturday and then next weekend in the Final Houston's Fours as well. still in. They are. They're the one. 
I mean, yeah. that, they're the one team that yeah, yeah. I can mean, get a little juice, but yeah. I mean, I think any combination of from a television perspective, if it's Alabama, K State, Houston, or Texas and Gonzaga, that would have some juice to it from a TV from a rating standpoint, and that's what they'll be banking on. Uh, still, time to get your questions into us at the uh, for the mailbag coming up at two thirty at Browns underscore Daily. Our good buddy Austin Ward will be joining us. Uh, covers He'll all join things us next, He's going to be joining us coming up next on dotting the eyes on the Rivals Network. He's a, he's a great man and thorough. Have a pretty good handle on. Uh, what happened at Ohio State Pro Day, obviously at the top end of it, but then also some guys that we could have an interest in, in and once you're talking into the third round, some defensive linemen, uh, perhaps some secondary guys you could be taking a look at. So we'll get into that with him. We'll go around the league. Uh, Mel Kuyper Jr. had a 90-minute presser on the draft. Uh, get your pen and paper out, some names we could be paying attention to. Yeah, or, we, I, I went through okay. literally, and uh, they did a great job coming up with um, – Specific Browns questions, Buckeyes questions. Nice. So uh, we, we pulled the best of those. Yeah. All right. So you have that to look forward to, which is nice. We're off and running here on a Friday edition of Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by Ballybet, coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by Ballybet, coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. There's a new way to cheer on your Cleveland Browns. The help of your favorite four-legged companion, Barking Backers, presented by Milk Brown, the Browns' newest club for pet parents worldwide. Sign up today at BarkingBackers.com. Barking Backers, the fan club for dogs. As we head out on the Twisted Tea Hotline, brought to you by Twisted Tea Hard Ice Tea, official sponsor of your Cleveland Browns. Keep it twisted, Cleveland. We're joined by my great friend Austin Ward. He covers all things Ohio State football on the Dotting the Eyes Networks. He's the host of the podcast, OhioState.Rivals.com. He, I'm going to just say something. Browns fan, not you. Buckeye fans know. Browns fans, you're looking for somebody on the Buckeye side of things. This is your guy. Uh, Austin, thank you so much. But Pro Day down there on Wednesday. Uh, let's start at the top. Let's start with the headliner and C.J. Stroud. Uh, you and I obviously remembered the Georgia game. I have a feeling a lot of the people who cover the NFL draft didn't, but now they're being reminded of it, it feels <laughs> like. Uh, this was we, – we kind of – in terms of the Pro Day, the whole NFL was there, for crying out loud, or, or, or thereabouts. How did C.J. look? Pretty darn good, Bo. Uh, so just yeah. as you might imagine, for somebody with his his arm ability, and you know, there's, I, I always wonder like what exactly. So all 32 teams were there. Uh, the Panthers brought in, I think, 14 representatives from their organization, including the ownership, which I don't recall happening before for an Ohio State pro day. It may have, but it may have slipped my mind. But yeah. I know that Carolina did it this week, and uh, they got a, a show as I thought that they might. I mean, CJ didn't need to really work out much more uh, that after what he did in the combine. We saw how impressive he was there. Uh, he followed that up by, you know, throwing to Jackson Smith and Jigba and Marvin Harrison, and he threw like a 65-yard deep ball to wrap up the workout to Jaden Boward that was absolutely perfect. Um, so, you know, if, if people needed to see him do that in shorts and a T-shirt one last time to be convinced, um, so be it. He did it. I, I think maybe more than anything, it's Stacking that up one day of watching C.J. Stroud and making sure that you do get an appreciation for how big he is physically compared to somebody like, let's say, Bryce Young. Mm -hmm. um, you know, this he is physically imposing, and I'm not sure that many people realize that um, last season or even going into last season. Certainly, you get up close and personal, you realize how big and strong this guy is. And I know that Anthony Richardson and Will Levis will have that going for them too, but 
they don't have the rest of the stuff that, that no. CJ Stroud put on display again on Wednesday. He is, um, you know, there's only been three Buckeyes who have gone number one overall in the draft. Uh, Wilkinson did it. Pace did it. Cousineau did it. Never a quarterback, obviously. He would be the third straight Ohio State quarterback to be a – well, he will be the third straight Ohio State quarterback to be a first-round pick. At this point yep. in the process with the other two, how would you rank where C.J. is now versus how you viewed Fields and Haskins? Yeah, I think to start with Dwayne, he had a lot of, you know, that stuff that you go see a workout and you're going to be blown away. The arm talent was exceptional. I think everybody in the Woody uh, had an idea that he needed more time to, you know, develop some of the mental processing for the position. Um, you know, we can't go back and, and change that uh, and his sure. decision and anything after that. Uh, but you you knew that it might take a little bit longer for him to become that at the next level. Uh, but all at the, at the same time, nobody faulted him because he had already done enough to be a first-round pick. But he was the furthest away from being a starting quarterback in the NFL when he left. Justin was much closer to that, but I think that, you know, the situation he was going to be in wasn't going to put him in any advantageous situations. Uh, he, it took a while for Chicago to figure out what to do with his athleticism. Year yeah. one was kind of a waste for him in Chicago. Uh, in terms of just off the charts, athletic ability, uh, you know, Justin and Fields is almost in a category all by himself at Ohio state. Um, you know, you, you lump him in with Braxton Miller, but that does a disservice to how, uh, talented Justin Fields is with his arm. CJ is sort of a mix between the two, and now he's got two full seasons of starting at Ohio State. He's the most pro-ready, in my mind, of these guys. I don't know if he'll reach the same ceiling as Justin Fields, and, and maybe it'll depend on where he lands or what Carolina puts around him. But in terms of going out and being ready for everything that's going to be thrown at him, I think he's probably closest to that point. Yeah, I, I would have – I had it. Uh, I, I felt the most confident about Fields at this point in the gestation process heading to the draft, and then Fe and then Stroud second, and then Haskins third. But part of my Haskins, much like you had that that, that knowledge from that, that was he needed to go to the right spot where he was nurtured along. Yeah. And I'll never yeah. forget talking to an NFL general manager at the Combine, and they were like, the one thing about him is the stuff is so open because of their talent at receiver that it's hard to know that if he if he has to process quickly and hit tight windows, will he be able to do it? So I was a little clouded by that information, but I like him. I, I like Fields a lot, and I like Stroud a lot too, and I, I think he's the safest bet for sure among this group. One of three Buckeyes will be first-round picks, right? Paris going to go in the top 10 or 15. It feels like he's got a chance. How did he look? And then, of course, Jackson Smith and Jigba. A lot of people worried about that speed, but in and out of breaks, he's got all of it. Give me a little on those two guys, bud. Yeah, I think Paris, um, and it's it's hard for me to know for sure because like sure the, the measurable stuff for Paris, like I don't know what they need from an offensive lineman. How many times is he going to run a forty and a straight line <laughs> at the NFL level? Probably zero. Uh, this, but I, I was out there and I, I sort of escaped the cage in the corner a little bit. We were working on our Cam Brown, uh, you know, docu series, so I, I floated a bit and. The people, uh, the evaluators out there on the field were raving about what Paris Johnson did. You know, to me, it looks like a guy moving through bags, and I've also seen him play for the last two years and, and look like a first-round draft pick. So, again, it was a situation where I don't know what more they need to see, but whatever it is that they were looking for, he showed. He moved around very well. He's incredibly polished as an interview subject. He's been doing a lot of extra homework so that he can get on the board and draw offenses for 
uh, you know, these people when they sit down for the interviews. Uh, I think the process has been off the charts successful for Paris Johnson. Uh, as I sit here, I, you know, he, he told me about a week or so ago, you know, that Justin Fields had been calling him and like talking about how great it would be if they can get back together and Paris, you know, can come help protect him in Chicago. Uh, I don't know. Sometimes, <laughs> maybe it's just a, maybe it's just an anecdote. I don't know, but I, I'm having a hard time in my mind thinking that Paris gets past that point down there um, at number nine, I believe. And then, so he's done everything he needed to do. He's, he should be the first tackle off the board for me, but uh, we'll see what these guys all decide next month. And then Jackson did run the 40. He ran 140. He thought that was good enough to call it a day on that part, that part, then went out and did the same, you know, electrifying stuff, running routes that everybody expects, caught the ball well. Uh, I think that the hamstring stuff should be put in the rearview mirror. Um, he, and the, if anybody doubts his ability or willingness to want to go out and play and perform after last year, I think they just have to look and, and understand some of the medical stuff for him and how severe the hamstring, the second setback really was there in October. Uh, the guy loves to play football. He wants to play football. And, uh, you know, he had a chance, once he was fully healthy, to go run that 40. I think he put up a time that's good enough when you put that in together with rest, the rest of the uh, speed in and out of breaks that you mentioned. And if you want somebody to go plug and play and slot next year for an NFL team, Jackson Smith and Jigba is just about uh, the best you could do in my mind. Talking to the great Austin Ward, he, he writes Dotting the Eyes. He's a host of the podcast on the Ohio State Rivals Network. Uh, he's joining us on the Twisted Tea Hotline, brought to you by Twisted Tea Hard Iced Tea, official sponsor of your Cleveland Browns. Um, so none of those guys are going to be there when the Browns pick in the third round. That we yeah, know. No. Um, in, in terms of guys who could be, and I think a, a tremendous position, the, the Browns with free agency don't really have needs at this point. They've Andrew Berry's tackled that in terms of free agency and the trade uh, with Elijah Moore this week. So he can take best available. But there are position groupings on this team that are more appealing than others and I think more maybe needy than others. And it starts up front. And I don't know if Zach Harrison will get there in the third round, uh, but they do have two third-round picks. What do you make of Harrison? And this is a guy who's a five-star kid out of out of Powell, northern Columbus suburbs, um, who, who never quite had the sack numbers, but maybe that doesn't tell the whole story. What do you, what do you think about Harrison <laughs> yeah. and his fit in the league? Yeah, I, I think his best football is ahead of him still, Bo, and we've been saying that, you and I, for – going on four years now and it has got progressively better i think it's a lot of times uh, at least locally down here zach harrison's been trapped by well you need to be chase young you need to be joey bosa you need to be nick bosa and that's not necessarily his game he he's long i think the, the biggest problems that he wound up causing last year uh with his wingspan batting down passes he's tall and he's got super long arms and he started figuring out how to use that when he couldn't get to the passer uh i i think that there's you know, he's really good against the run. He's, he's got a bunch of tackles for loss. He understands how to play football, and he does it physically. The knock down here was just always he was a split second away from getting sacks. And, you know, sometimes that's opportunity. Sometimes that's other things in coverage. You know, that can't be the only way that you evaluate it. But he he has everything you would want, both physically and mentally and emotionally, to be a professional player. And I think yeah. that most people realize that at the next level. So, I don't know that he'd get to the third round. I think it's unlikely, although maybe he didn't run the 40 just to sink his stock a little bit and, uh, you know, maybe go to a better spot where he can play. I don't know. That's just a joke. I don't know because I, I wanted to see him <laughs> run the 40. He is so fast, and that would have just been the thing that I thought could have put him in all the way up into the first round. I think he'll go in the second. 
but I do believe that he's going to be a good pro and uh, probably a long-time one at that. Let's talk about the two secondary guys. You mentioned Cam Brown, the, the corner who you're yep. doing the docuseries with, and then Ronnie Hickman, uh, who is uh, the safety. Uh, what do you make of those two as as they transition? I mean, we all remember Fuller, right, a couple of years ago, and you're yep. like, boy, this guy went from late pick, all of a sudden he's starting in the Super Bowl for the Rams. Yeah, I, Ronnie Hickman is an interesting one for me. He didn't work out at all on Wednesday, and he didn't do the drills at the Combine in Indianapolis. Uh, he, I think it was some sort of hamstring issue. I'm not 100% sure on that. At least that was the case in Indy. Uh, he didn't do any interviews or anything uh, with the media on Wednesday, so I'm not 100% sure what that okay. health situation is. But um, he, that makes him even more interesting to figure out, I think, for NFL teams because the first half of last season, I thought he's playing himself into the top two rounds and maybe the first because he was – uh, he was never out of position, assignment sound, grading off the charts from the Ohio State coaching staff. The year before, he had been asked to do something a little bit differently, and he was Ohio State's leading tackler. Now, that was on a defense that wasn't great, but he was a first-year starter, led them in tackles, was not afraid to go lay the wood. So he's shown that he can do things in coverage. He's shown things he can do yeah. uh, going up into the box, but he's also had some breakdowns in pass coverage. The second half of the year, I think maybe he got – a little too caught up in where his draft stock was at that point, and the play slipped. He had a he was not good in the the rivalry loss, and he was not great in the Peach Bowl. And so I I don't know where his stock sits, but I know he has the potential to be a good NFL player. I don't know. I really I'd have to throw a dart to know what round he's going to yeah. go in because teams could fall in love with him, or they could they could find things that they hate. Um, and the th- the same will be true for Cam Brown, although the issue for him at corner has always been health and staying healthy. Uh, he still had a hamstring issue that he was working through on Wednesday, but he knew that he needed to go through those workouts. I know he can run faster than four or five, three. I've personally seen him do that many times, um, but I don't, the rest of it, some of the feedback he got was that the footwork was still great. He dropped the ball. He, he was really kind of beating himself up a bit and the rest of his teammates were giving him a hard time because he dropped four or five balls in the, uh, cornerback workout drills, and they're like, well, that's why you were converted from wide receiver to defensive back. <laughs> Don't worry about right. it. Uh, it's the same. Those guys are in the same boat. Like, I could see teams jumping up into the third round and wanting to grab him and, and betting that it, with some good health and good luck for both of those guys that they can be in a secondary at the next level for a long time. Or I can see teams having concerns and, and letting that linger a little bit longer to the fifth or sixth or later. We'll see what happens. But I the upside of those guys, if you're willing to roll the dice a bit, um, you can get some really good players. But it, it probably will take a little bit of courage on both fronts if you're going to move up a bit. Austin, great stuff as always, bud. Love talking to you. Thanks for your time today. All right, Bo. We'll see you. All right, that's Austin Ward. Uh, covers all things Buckeye football at Rivals, theohiostaterivals.com, Dotting the I's, and the podcast. Joining on the Twisted Tea Hard Ice Tea Hotline official. Sponsor of your Cleveland Browns. Keep it twisted. Cleveland. We will go around the league coming up next. You listen to Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily brought to you by BallyBet. Coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Welcome into Cleveland Browns Daily. 
850 ESPN Cleveland. Uh, Gibby, you know what happened 22 years ago today? 22 years ago? It's tough. You're not going to get it unless you no. saw it. So this was the day Randy Johnson hit the dove out of the air. Spring training pitch. game? Spring training game. So I saw this morning the guy, the guy who got it to go viral. Apparently this was down in Tucson, University of Arizona. And I think they may have been playing the University of Arizona. Uh, he was in with the Diamondbacks. Like a split squad type yeah. deal. And there was no there was no telecast of it. So the only camera was the center field camera. That was the only thing that had images of it. This guy goes and gets the tape and took it to local news in either Tucson or Phoenix, and that's how it went out. It was truly a one-in-a-billion shot, like a fastball hitting a bird. Eviscerating a bird. Eviscerating a bird. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, by the time – yeah, there were feathers. That's all it was, a puff of feathers. I don't even know if anybody even realized right away what happened. How would you? Just hear a thud, and then that's it. It's absolutely crazy. Crazy, crazy, crazy. Wow. Really? 22 years ago. So we're getting old. Yeah. And the the fact that the only way 22 years ago it got seen – is because of a center field camera. That's it. No camera phones. No. no. I Can remember you if something like that happened today. Yeah. No. It'd be well, on every you, platform with flip right away. Seconds. So we used to do. I was in local television at the time, and there was a. a I was CBS affiliate, so there was a CBS feed, and then there was a CNN feed that we paid for. And sports would come like twenty minutes. It's like usually is the last fifteen minutes of every hour. So as opposed to like just getting any highlights you wanted they would have a 15-minute feed of the highlights of the sports of the day. So if you wanted to run, like if this would, in the old days, if this, like here in town, if you wanted to run um, and some out-of-market NBA highlights, the only way to get them was on that feed. They would put them up, and you'd be mercy to whatever they put on the feed. That's all you'd get. It's not like you could pick the highlights you wanted. And they would always have a miscellaneous would be in the last five, five, uh, five minutes of the feed. I'll never forget when this thing came down, looking at it and being like, and then I ended my sportscast that night with it, with this video. Like, you're not going to believe what happened down in spring training. So, in those days, you couldn't just put it on Twitter. No. And let it go. No, and, like, the next day, it's, it's like, never getting if you pushed didn't out. see it, you're done. you, you might have missed it. it. It might not oh, be really yeah. shown anywhere. No, it wasn't until social media, YouTube, all that stuff got a second life. But up until that point, you had to see it that in that moment or else you'd never see it again. Sports Center picked it up on all of it. It went in the the definition of viral for those days. Um, we have a pro day today. Will Levis down in Lexington, uh, Frank Reich, Scott Fitterer, both going to be there. No ownership there, huh? No, dialed back a little bit. There's there's how you go on that. Pete Carroll and John Schneider will be there. Seattle's taking all these in. He was down in, in Tuscaloosa. I saw that picture with Pete and uh, Saban down in Tuscaloosa from yesterday. So he's he was in Columbus Wednesday. So they're sitting there at 5. I mean, maybe. I mean, what do they sign Gino? Three-year deal? Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, who, you know, who knows how quickly they could get out of it if they wanted to. Um, and they have the two first-round picks, so they could they could theoretically make a move there. Mike Vrabel, he's taking them all in, too. Tennessee's not in any position to get to a quarterback, are they? I, I don't think so. I mean, you would go – anybody smart would go to the Ohio State and Alabama Pro Days anyway, and maybe Vrabel just feels that way, like go to every Pro Day that every – big-time school has, and Kentucky's become a big-time school. Tennessee's number 11, so I guess maybe. Well, he's also probably looking at, you know, all the other guys that Alabama, Ohio State, and uh, Kentucky have. Yeah, maybe, it's, it's, maybe he's looking at Jackson Smith. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> going, you, well, we gave away a guy last there year. There you go. So can we yeah. get him? Can we get see if we back? can scoop that guy up? Um, oh, this is pretty interesting. I didn't see this. Get, do you have the details on this? Broncos looking for an upgraded or brand new stadium? Yes, they have started quietly, although it became not so quiet yesterday. They've wow. sent surveys out to all of their season ticket holders, corporate partners, suite holders. How can we improve the stadium experience? And it's a pretty detailed, in-depth survey. So, um, Well, how? I just am curious. So now it's called Empower Field. It was in Vesco at Mile High. Um, I remember when this thing opened. Correct. It, it's So it opened in 01. Huh. So it opened in 01. I mean, ours was 99. Well, yeah. All right, so they're so they they're they're looking at what to do here. Yeah, their latest survey sent to season ticket holders and bigwigs asked asked fans a battery of questions, including several about a potential new stadium. Some of those questions included what would an authentically Denver or authentically Colorado stadium look like? What are favorite roof configurations in order of preference at a new stadium? Uh, Broncos ownership has not yet made a decision on whether to construct a new stadium. They have been researching the project for months with focus groups and the season ticket survey is part of the process. You've been out there. You guys always love that place, right? I, I thought the stadium was great. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, again, it's outdoors. Uh, they did. They note the stadium currently undergoing more than a hundred million dollars in upgrades, including expanding the scoreboard, Above the South Stands, creating the fourth largest video board in the NFL. Still, the survey acknowledged that the Broncos are exploring the possibility of constructing a new state-of-the-art football stadium. Hmm. Well, here's the deal. I mean, if that's a great city. Oh. If they decide to, if they put a dome on it, then they can have a Super Bowl they can in a have second. A they can have anything things. they want. They can have Final Fours. They could. Have, it's a huge city. You just got to fly into that stupid airport. The airport sucks. But other than that, it's it's a win across the board. Wow, that's interesting. I. To me, like if you're building a new stadium, and I actually had a guy, we were having this conversation about the horseshoe down at Ohio State about because they just got to improve that thing. And um, he was like, I would build, he, an architect reached out to me and he was like, you could put a dome on that thing similar to the Vikings. Everyone points to that Vikings one because it's got the translucent ceiling. So it has that open air feel without right. being open air. Um, and everybody points to that one. Like, you put one of those in Denver, and even if you could open up the two ends so it gets a breeze running through it, because some of those fall days in Denver are perfect, absolute perfection. Um, and they don't – while they get the cold, they don't get the absurd weather we do. They don't get grapple. They don't get, like, lake effect. They don't get rain turned to snow, turned to tornadoes. Like, they get snow, and it gets cold. But it's not like it is here in terms of the wild card weather. Correct. And, I mean, when we won there on that Saturday night in 19. Yeah. No, 18. Jeez. Yeah. My first one. year, that's cold. 18. I mean, it was it was cold, but it wasn't awful. No, it's like, okay. It, it was comfortable. It wasn't anything bad. I loved the stadium. I thought the stadium was actually really nice. But, um, obviously, if you have owner new owners and new owners want to build you a dome – and you don't even have – we're not sure you even have a quarterback to build it around. But Yeah. No, I think – I would be shocked. If you build a new one now and it's not a dome, it's Shame just so you. much more valuable. <laughs> yeah, it is. And you, you control the conditions. It's just so much more finite. Ezekiel Elliott's wish list of teams for next season, Eagles, Bengals, and Jets. 
the Eagles saying they haven't engaged. The Bengals saying that as well. Is that correct? The Bengals on us. today and yeah. said, "Man, we haven't talked to him." <laughs> yeah, which is you know what they wouldn't admit it if they had. I thought the only thing that was interesting about him including the Bengals was Mixon's not gone yet. Kind of leads you to believe that maybe Mixon will be gone. They've already lost P. Ryan, so they need a little bit at running back. Yeah. Um, on that side of things. I feel like that's an Ezekiel wish list and uh, not sure that there's any reciprocation going on from any of the one of those three parties. I think he could do quite well as I mean, he's so good in pass pro. Um, I think there'd be value for him in either Cincinnati or or Philly. I think he could do well in in both of those cases. I think he's got, I know Z thinks he's washed. I think he's got a little juice still in his tank. He's been banged up uh, last couple yeah, of but years. He doesn't have to be in every down in that's in those no, situations. No. Not at all. Vegas Aces and Raiders owner Mark Davis announcing Tom Brady has acquired an ownership interest in the world champion Las Vegas Aces. Tom's trying to find his why, man. I don't know if this is the road you want to go down, but maybe it allows him to get into ownership in Vegas, though, with the Raiders. Maybe it allows him to be a minority owner there. It's just weird. Like that that came out today, and I I just looked at it and was like, "What, what? Yeah, you could have seen at some point that being part of like him playing for the Raiders, but it does feel like, yeah, as the days stack, we get more and more uh, emphatic that he's do, gone. Do you want to do you want to be in cahoots with Mark Davis? No, <laughs> I mean what? Probably not. That's what I, I I don't understand what the tie is to the WNBA franchise. So I think when he when he got the situation with didn't that come with the deal with the Raiders? Wasn't that part of it with the stadium? Like he was going to take that on? I'm, Maybe I could be speaking I, recklessly there. Very likely yeah, that I am, but fine. I I think both. I think that was all kind of tied in with that. Um, it is interesting, by the way. Like even even still, the NCAA goes to such great lengths about you know their athletes betting, and we've had professional sports in Vegas for a long time. Betting is now legal in this state. Um, but from a from the perspective of the NCAA is playing playing a regional in Las Vegas. Correct. Like they never used to do that. And they're playing a regional there. So And it is not warm there. No, it's not, I, it's I not warm anywhere in, in the West this week. And they're cold it's chilly last week and they they were like, it's long sleeves and jeans. Yeah, we were um I was looking at the extended for the desert and it was um the highest in a, in the seven days we're there was like seventy six. Which is nice, but in, in nice compared to here. But usually that time of year out there, it's eighty-five. Correct is is kind of what you're looking at. So, um, yeah, the whole the whole south, southwestern part of the United States is in a bit of a bit of a cold cold snap to say the least. All right, we had teased it. You're going to hear it coming up next. Mel Kiper Jr.'s conference call. All sorts of stuff worth noting for both the Browns. Uh, some stuff on some of the Buckeyes as well on that one. You have that to look forward to, which is nice. Plus, mailbag coming up here in the final hour. You listen to Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by Bally Bet, coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by Bally Bet, coming soon to Ohio. On 850 ESPN Cleveland. Be part of one of the most passionate fan bases in the National Football League. Join the Brown season ticket member waitlist today for your best chance of securing tickets for all home games in future seasons. Don't miss out. Go to clevelandbrowns.com slash tickets or call 440-891-5050 to reserve your spot today. ESPN draft guru Mel Kuyper Jr., who actually invented the medium. 
Like he was the first guy to do this. Um, he had a conference call with the media. Uh, this was just from a couple of days ago. Here's some highlights from that 90-minute presser talking a lot of things that will be important to you. Let's have a listen. I was curious what your current assessment of Paris Johnson is as a, a draft and develop offensive tackle. In terms of a Paris Johnson Jr., love the versatility. Uh, you know, left tackle this year, right guard. Uh, you know, you look at the Bears and you say, okay, you know, he can play left tackle. He can project the right tackle. He's played guard. He at least played on the right side at guard. And that's the kind of guy at Ohio State with Justin Fields. You think about him as a guy who continues to develop, emerge. He's only had, like I say, he had one year at left tackle at the guard. He's still a developing player, which you like. He has not played his best football yet. So I just felt like the Bears, you know, now with Jalen Carter off the board in that mock draft, I went to the next best option, which was the offensive tackle. Uh, hey, Mel, thanks for doing it. Um, I'm wondering who are the top defensive tackles and could you see one of them worth the 13th pick or are they more toward lower the bottom of the first round? Rich, that's a great question. Uh, I went with uh, Jalen Carter gone, obviously. You know, when, when you talk about pick six, some people think he could drop a little bit. I don't. Uh, anywhere between five and 10, Jalen Carter could come off the board as obviously before pick 13. Now, they got that number. Warren Sapp dropped to 12, I believe, Rich, when he came out. So you never know. You never know. But so if he was there, certainly uh, Jalen Carter. But uh, the guy that's red hot right now, and I have him going in the later first, I almost put him at 10 to Philadelphia, is Aditamiwa Adabare from Northwestern. He had production at Northwestern. He was forcing fumbles. He had a lot of quarterback pressures. Uh, you know, he's over 280. Uh, he ran 4.49. He's got long arms. Uh, he's a great kid, recruited by Army Air Force, ends up at Northwestern. Uh, so he would be next to a Kalija Kansi from Pitts, a three technique, super quick. It's about 6'1, 280. Uh, ran really well at the common, actually ran better than Aaron Donald. Doesn't have the arm length of Donald, though. Um, Brian Brzee at Clemson, you know, is his situation, the, the anguish, mentally anguished with his sister passing away. And, and then he had the medical situation. He had the ACL two years ago. He would look refreshed and regenerated at the, at the, uh, the uh, combine, looked really good. Brian came out of Damascus, Maryland. He's a local kid here from the Maryland area. Great family, a great kid. I think he's in the late first round mix now as well. So those are the four rich first round defensive tackles. Carter, uh, and I think Adabare, something defensive end, I think he's a free technique, and then Cansey and then Brzee. Hey, Mel, I wanted to ask you about the Browns. They don't pick until 42. So, number one, how hard is that when, you know, there's so much variables before you pick? And then you mentioned some of the speed receivers, but that appears to be the Browns' number one need of right now. So, who would you like for them at 42? You know, if you had to say right now, that spot, you say which receiver could still be there. Jaden Reed, Michigan State, uh, would be a guy I think to look at. There's not a lot going on at that particular spot. There's a slot guy, Josh Downs. Jalen Hyatt, Tennessee, is a speed option. Could he be there? Yeah, he could. Could he go into late first? Yeah. If you want a guy to take a top off the defense and had a heck of a year as a deep threat for Hedden and Hooker, average almost 20 yards a catch, ton of touchdowns, uh, it would be Jalen Hyatt. So Jalen Hyatt possibly – Jaden Reed, Michigan State, I think would be there at that particular point uh, of the first of the second round. And if you're looking for a guy like I say on day three of the draft, if he drops, it's going to be interesting. Kayshawn Booty at LSU, uh, if he drops into day three uh, a couple of years ago, he looked like a guy was going to be a first round pick, and it just hasn't worked out. So he would be a guy somebody's going to roll the dice on at that particular point. Mel, I know you talked about uh, being curious about how Jackson Smith and Jigba will run today, but I'm curious in your your comprehensive evaluation of him, how do you weigh 
2022 versus 2021 and try to put that whole puzzle together? Dan, it's not easy. I, I, I struggle with that because I had him as the sixth best player coming into the year uh, on the big board back in August. And I say, okay, why am I moving a guy down when he didn't play? He had a hamstring. It was legitimate injury. So I'm saying, well, he could have played. Well, I know hamstring injuries and you can, they can bother you to the point where you don't feel comfortable playing. So that's, that's the, you know, you look at how he did it to combine. He was smooth. Like he had been at Ohio State. He tested well. He was elite in terms of, of uh, what he did there. He was going to be running today. He'll be running routes today as well with C.J. Stroud throwing the football to Marvin Harrison Jr. and Jackson Smith and Jigba today. Um, I would have liked this. Obviously, would have loved to see him duplicate what he did the previous year. But that previous year as a slot guy, you think about having Garrett Wilson and you think about having a guy like Chris Olave, the way they moved him around. They did, he didn't have to deal with any press. He didn't have to deal with anybody you know, harassing him coming off the line of scrimmage. He didn't have to deal with any of that. How will you adapt to that in the NFL is a question. Um, but he outproduced in terms of re receptions, receiving yards, average per catch, um, you know, Olave and Wilson, he had as many touchdowns, but he had a heck of a year. So I think somebody has said to me, it's like Derek Stingley Jr. Dan, you know, he didn't have the play. Did you hold that against him? He still went with third overall Jackson Smith and Jigba basically didn't play. Are you going to hold that against him with the hamstring? He's still going to go high. So I have him at 20 thought about him at 14. If he runs under four or five today, McShay thought Todd said four, four, eight. He thinks he'll run. He runs under four or five because I estimate it'll be about four, five, five. I think it goes in the top 15 guaranteed. Do you think that, that NIL is affecting now the, the draft and are you seeing more guys that you thought would come out staying because of the NL, NIL option? Angelique, that's probably true that they are now getting the kind of money in college to stay and not the, if it's risky, if it's, if they're smart about it, if they really investigate and say, okay, what's the worst case scenario, Angelique, and look at it that way and say, okay, I, I can really better my draft position by going back. I can get money from the NIL. Then yeah, I think it, it allows them a better option than saying I have to force my way into the NFL or maybe overrate my situation. Just kind of be realistic with it get the right kind of reports and objective reports, listen to those objective reports and always look worst case. And if they, I always say, if you're happy with the worst case, then come out. If you're not happy with the worst case, you got to stay in. And that was before NIL, Angelique. So now with NIL, I think it almost is, it guarantees you that, hey, if I'm getting the worst case and I don't like the worst, I got to go back. So I think it gives them that flexibility. Mel, the big picture question for the quarterbacks, if we could have four in the first four picks or four in the first five picks, I think is what you had. Is this an all-time quarterback class or is this a case of everybody, there were so few last year and everybody, is this need or is this an all-time great quarterback class and could Baltimore join that mix of teams looking to trade up, you think, if things go a certain way with Lamar? Ryan, it's great. We have to wait and see on the whole Lamar thing. You're watching that. I'm watching that. And we'll see what happens. Uh, there doesn't seem to be any options. Baltimore's the option. Um, but, well, that's a story for another day. But I think when you look at the quarterback class this year, Bryce always had the elite grade. You knew the size was going to be an issue, but you know he's a great quarterback. So he was going to be up there at the top. You knew that C.J. Stroud had a chance to be based on what he did last year. And he just went out and did exactly the same thing. I mean, he's at 70% the last two years. He doesn't throw interceptions. And what he did against Georgia, you wish you would have seen that. He didn't have any rushing touchdowns. So, again, he'll be able to use those legs in the NFL to beat a defense. So that put him way up there. Anthony Richardson just on talent. I think that Utah game, I think people look at that and say, boy, if we could just bottle that game. We, we always say for C.J. Stroud, we could bottle the Georgia game, right? If we could bottle that Utah game for, for, for Anthony. Boy, 
He's spectacular. So again, and I think, like I said, if you can just figure out and, and do what Josh did, Josh Allen, just figure it out, get the people. Everybody has to work on those things, and he can work on it and, and, and hopefully fix that. So I think, you know, the, the, the talent of them, and Will Levis. I love Will Levis. Some don't think he's going to go as high as that. Uh, I think you throw out 2022. Why would you evaluate 2022 when he was playing with significant injuries? beat up from head to toe. He couldn't move. He had nine rushing touchdowns in 2021. He had zero over the last eight games this year because he couldn't move. He couldn't plan. He couldn't throw. That affects your accuracy. He was behind in games where he just kind of threw it up. The interceptions were, didn't even matter. What's the difference? You're going to lose by 15, 20, or you're going to lose by 30, 35. Does it really matter? Um, he, and, he, and he stayed out there and he gutted it out. And he was showed up for their bowl game to at least be there. He didn't. He wasn't absent from their bowl game. He did not travel for their bowl game. He wasn't not with their team for their bowl game. He was with them every step of the way. That showed something. So uh, is he perfect? No. The turnovers, you got to fix that. Daniel Jones fixed it. Josh Allen fixed it. I think you can fix that. So uh, I'm higher on Will Levis than some people are. We'll see. But to answer your question, I think it came together for those guys, Stroud and, and Richardson had that one great game. But talent of those guys is going to win out. And Bryce Young had always been way up there. Um, we'll have three, possibly four going very, very high, and all four should have a chance to be, if things fall right, have a chance to be great. Now, Anthony Richardson, there's that boomer bust. Some think Will Levis is boomer bust. Bryce Young's size makes you worry, right? And C.J. Stroud, will he take that Georgia game and build on it? So there is concerns with every one, but they're still all four going to go very high. Uh, regarding one versus two, Stroud versus Young, is it a narrow, paper-thin gap between them now? And and then please explain why you why you put him up higher and why others are. Is it because we're maybe putting a little bit too much in what we saw at the Combine or the post-game tape stuff that team evaluators always say that they, they believe is paramount? What, to what do you attribute all this? John, I think there's a lot of factors that go into to trying to figure this out. Uh, does Frank Reich stick to what he's done with the bigger quarterback uh, and go with C.J. Stroud? Does he go with the ultimate outlier? There are some people that feel like you never should draft an outlier. Outliers will – you can't do it. Uh, Bill Polian always drilled that into me when he was up at ESPN. Uh, but Bill always said, Hall of Fame general manager, Super Bowl winning general manager, always said, uh, you don't draft outliers. Uh, you know, Bryce Young is an outlier. There's no way other around that. Um, you know, so I think that's the, and he plays a great player. So, you know, I mean, people say, I'm going to go back to Todd McShay. I said, Hey, he's Patrick Mahomes. You know, he's Steph Curry. Okay. If you're Patrick Mahomes, Steph Curry, you're going number one, but then the size factors in, uh, you know, if you were a little bigger, you know, and I'm not really talking about the height as much. It's the weight. Can he maintain that 204? That's why I think today will be important. Excuse me, tomorrow will be important for that reason to see what he is when they bring him in for their private workouts. Um, so it's really, it is, you're really close. You're really close. And I think Levis is in that mix for me and Richardson's in there. I think all four of those guys are really close. Um, you know, I went with Bryce Young because I set the bar at 195. And I said, if he's 195 or heavier, I'm going with him. He was 204. So that's why I went with Bryce Young. So I went Young, Levis, Stroud, Levis and Stroud, basically the same grade, and, uh, and Richardson right there as well. So, uh, again, for Carolina, it's going to be interesting to see if Wright deviates and goes away from what he has done at quarterback to go with Young, or he sticks with what he's had with the bigger quarterback that goes with the 6'3", 215, 220-pound C.J. Stroud. So that's going to be fun to see how it plays out. 
I don't know if they made that decision yet or not. Sometimes teams have made that call by the time pro days take place. I've had GM say, I knew going into the pro day who I was taking a quarterback to all the pro days. And I was there for everyone, but I knew who my quarterback was before the pro days even happened. I had another former GM say, Hey, it's not the pro day. Pro days aren't important. It's the private workouts for quarterbacks that are going to be the most critical part of the equation. So we'll see. By the time we get to late April, we're still over a month away. Uh, it's going to be fun to see how this plays out because, uh, like I say, you can argue either quarterback is the right pick, and uh, they have to pick one. So that's why sometimes it's better to get the guy that's left over than the other guy. Let's get the guy they don't take and take him. Sometimes that works out better in the long run. Sometimes it doesn't. There's no perfect way to evaluate quarterbacks. There's no you know, blueprint for success. Uh, it's a lot of hit or misses, as you've seen. Uh, but for quarterbacks, it's got to be your gut feel. you got to trust your gut on quarterbacks. You really do. Everybody sees everything. We see all this. We get all the numbers. You know, you know everything. You can, everybody, the information is all out there. There's no private information, things that they know that we don't know. Everybody knows everything. So it gets down to, you know, who do you feel is best suited for your team that brings that it factor, brings that attitude, brings that approach that you want. That's why Bryce Young, to me, that's why that's another reason I gave him an edge. And the 195 was the bar with the weight, but he's got that thing that says, just let me be out there with my team and I'm going to win games. And I'm going to win the big, I'm going to do what it takes. And I, I just, ha I see things that nobody else sees. I can, I can decipher things quicker than anybody else can. That's Bryce Young's strength. That's what he does best. Can he stay healthy for a long NFL season? That's what worries me. A lot of stuff there with Mel Kuyper. Also some breaking news while we were enjoying listening to all that and getting a little bit smarter on the draft field. Yates, the first report, the Browns are signing former Seahawks wide receiver Marquise Goodwin to a one-year deal per source. has been confirmed by many people after that. Um, so that he now joins Elijah Moore in our receiving. Remember, Marquise Goodwin was in here on Monday into Tuesday um, and was a guy that, that certainly you looked at and thought, well, that would solve that. Then they went out and get Elijah Moore, and you thought, well, Maybe, but if you listen to the show, we talked about this. Weapons, 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 weapons. Get us more of them. You had to. Um, and so he is a big-time weapon. You're talking about, for a career, average yards per reception of 16.2. So this is a deep ball threat in every way. Um, he is 32 years of age. Um, last most recently with Seattle, 27 catches, 387, 14 yards per reception, four touchdowns. With the Seahawks the previous two years from that, 15.5, 15.7. Had a stretch with the Niners, which would be a similar offense to the one that we ran in 17 and 18, where he averaged 17 yards a catch. His best year was 2017, uh, 56 catches, 962 yards, and 17.2 yards per reception. So this is another big-time weapon um, that, that goes into this mix, and, and you needed to have a bunch of them. And now I think your wide receiver room is almost entirely set. Um you got Amari, you got DPJ, you got Elijah Moore, you got Marquise Goodwin, you got David Bell, who's a high round draft pick from a year ago, who's got to show you a little bit more. Michael I think it Woods. would be, the, I think it's those five, and then it's Jakeem Grant would be the sixth if he's healthy as a return man. I would say Schwartz, Felton, Woods, all those guys would have to work like heck to make the team because you're not going to keep many more than than five, five and a half. If Grant being the five and a half, if he just is the return guy, if he can get back to health. Yeah, it's an interesting – it's a good signing. You mentioned it. You know, I mean, it's not a guy – the most catches he's had in his career is 56, but he makes the most of his catches when he catches the football. Like, he gets downfield. He can score the football. Super important. Uh, and as you mentioned, 
It's it's another weapon. Like this free agent class of wide receivers isn't something you write home about. That's why the Browns went out and got Elijah Moore. And but they, there were opportunities to get guys, maybe not necessarily in the first week of free agency, but then the, you know you have the levels of free agency where you have the next the next yeah. week, then the next week after that. Here's a tier two guy coming on board of the Browns, and again, it's another wide receiver weapon who's a veteran that can help out that locker room. And elite tweet, elite traits. So this is a deep ball guy, is is what he is. When you talk about that yards per catch, two seasons with over 17 yards per catch. Um, so there's that deep ball component. I mean, he's got career-long catches, 84 yards, 83 yards. It's a guy who could take it to the house. He's getting a little bit longer in the teeth, uh, but that doesn't mean that on 15 plays a game he can't make the defense pay attention to where he is on the field. And that's really all that's needed. Elijah Moore is a true – I mean, his potential coming out of Ole Miss – and what he was for a six, seven game stretch as a rookie was someone who was turning into a one. So now he's got to prove that he still has that in him. We're willing to bet that he did. The bet on that was a was basically to move back 30 spots in the draft is all that that was for a guy who's 23 years of age. Um, so he is a like if you were to if I were to guess how this would be, I think it's possible that DPJ and Elijah Moore would be on the outside and Amari would operate in the slot some um, to start the season. But when you're in the four wide set, now Goodwin slides in there. David Bell rotates in through there. Bell slides into the slot. Um, this is the other thing that is very apparent. We are going to be a much more pass-first team next season. Um, this this offense will uh, make the revolution to that uh, through this offseason. And quite frankly, it's the only way you can do it. It's the only way you can win a Super Bowl. If you're trying to win a Super Bowl, the only way to do it is to throw your way to it. Um, and now you think that you have enough weapons to be able to go out there and do it. And now in the draft, to me, it almost takes wide receiver off the board unless somebody just extraordinary falls to you. Because there's not, there's just not space for it. No. And it, I mean, we talked about it yesterday. You mentioned it specifically. I mean, the Browns have uh, two-thirds, two-fourths, two-fifths, yeah. sixth and a seventh. There's no way they're going to draft eight players. No. No, no, no. It's got to be – they're going to trade out of some of those yep. and push them into future drafts. And, um, yeah, I I mean, if, if we, we did the 53, Z did the 53, I think it was yesterday on the yep. show, and we were kind of breaking it down, and, and he thought five to six receivers at most, and the sixth was Grant being, you know, kind of a – just if he came back as a full-time return guy. But now that five, I think, is crystallized. It's Amari, it's DPJ, provided they all still stay healthy. It's Amari, DPJ, Elijah Moore – Marquise Goodwin, who comes into the fold today, reportedly, and then David Bell out of Purdue, who they still like, but we need to see a little more from him. Um, and certainly was a big-time player at Purdue. So uh, I, mean, I you, love it because I, you, there's no such thing as too much of this. Correct. You need all of this. Like, by the way, there will be injuries. Yeah. So you got to have enough bodies to overcome a five-month season. Yeah. And, and if you don't have the depth – you will not succeed. No. And, no. and if you have quality, you can you can pick up right where you left off. And this is a guy, he was in the Olympics, 2012. Qualified for uh, the long jump. Yeah. He was a four-time All-American at Texas. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, a, a, an athlete, but he can catch the football. Yeah, almost 1,000 yards in 2017. I, lo I love the yards per catch. I think that's pretty sweet. So you needed to have more weapons, and you're able to do so. And and now that receiver room, to me, feels like it's complete. So, 
There's no more room. I feel like free agency is getting close to that as well. Yeah. Well, the last thing now I think will be, and this will be something for more of the summer, will be like that veteran DN, like a Frank Clark who gets through free agency unsigned. Yeah, that type of guy, like a veteran who wants who wants to come in and and play on a on a smaller deal. We get ten million of cap space June one because of John Johnson and and Clowney. uh, Clowney. So once that happens, that frees up a little space and. And then we can go maybe big game hunting there as well. But but I would say yes that the work is largely done uh, for the Browns on that side of thing with the trades and free. I love it. I, I absolutely love this deal, and I think that's a pretty formidable receiver room compared to where it was uh, just a season ago. Uh, still time uh, for your questions in the mailbag. Tweet us your questions at Browns underscore Daily. Use the hashtag Ask CBD. That is coming up next. You're listening to Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by BallyBet, coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily brought to you by BallyBet. Coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. When you're on the injured list, get some help getting back in the game. Call 1-800-ELK-OHIO for a free case review. Elk and Elk's a proud partner of your Cleveland Browns. Andrew Barry, very busy this week at wide receiver. If you're just joining us, uh, the Browns signing veteran wide receiver Marquise Goodwin as well. So it joins Elijah Moore in terms of wide receivers acquired this week. Moore via trade dropped 30 spots in the draft to bring in a guy who went at the top of the second round a couple of years ago and is 23 years of age with elite traits and now a one-year deal with Marquise Goodwin as well. And just from a number standpoint, the wide receiver room is chock full. And you do a 53, and if it's five, it's it's Amari, it's DPJ Moore, it's Goodwin and Bell, and it's Jakeem Grant if it's six. And then beyond that, it's hard to find guys making teams. It's all special teams and looking for versatility. So that's Schwartz, Felton, uh, Woods, who you mentioned out of Oklahoma, who had the good camp a year ago. Um, those are Those are all of guys. They're fighting for spots, but I don't know where. Because I don't know if they're in this room. I don't know if you can have that many guys. No light. Sad. I was off of mute. You're lucky he's it not here. It was potted up. You're so lucky he's not here. Boy, that's twice today. It's twice. It's fine. If I'm going to screw up, I'd rather <sighs> screw up when he's not here. You'd never hear the end um, of it. Yeah, no. Um, you got to impress Bubba Ventrone. Yeah, that's where you're at. And even then it's even then it's hard because I, just from a numbers game. I know. Yeah. It's I mean, difficult. that's the. You're filling holes, and you're winning. You're in a win down mentality, and that's where we're at. We've taken care of our holes, yeah, and it's time to go win. Yeah, you you're going. You're going to go into the draft now. I think you know you at draft. You're talking defensive line. You need a linebacker. Mm. I know we're bringing back everybody, but like a lot of guys. I don't know with it. Up. You don't really need anything. I mean, you you can other. Than, I think you do need interior defensive line, defensive end. I feel like you I need you another could, corner, maybe. Yeah, I agree with you. I think slot corner. You need a lot of depth in the safety room. Right now we have three yeah. kind of pros back there. Um, you definitely need another safety. Um, that could be draft or that could be you know more guys on these one-year deals in free agency. Um, I think you need a slot corner. You probably And I think you need a running back because right now you're talking about Ford and Chubb, and that's it. So, um I There's think some you could have things, some stuff but... there, but you could throw the team out there right now as is and say, let's go. Yep. Yeah. So nice job. Good week out of AB. Yeah. A- little mailbag, Gibby? A little mailbag presented by Vivid Seats, an official fan experience partner of the Cleveland Browns. 
Tweet us your questions now at Browns underscore daily using the hashtag AskCBD. First and foremost, before we get into this, I know Nick Paulus, who is spinning our dials and does so very well every day, mm-hmm. uh, also does the same thing uh, for ESPN Cleveland tonight with Matt Fontana and Danny Cunningham. That's right. I know that Fontana has a little poll that he has up. Yeah, he likes his yes. brackets. Yep. He Matt, loves he does. his brackets. Matt, he loves, I love the bracket. The best 2000s TV show so we're doing the now greatest TV changed. shows of all. Yeah, we're we're doing the greatest TV shows of all time, and it, we're going did by. Did you decades. split them? Did you do? Yes, did yeah. you split them and do like drama versus comedy, no, or did you decades. put them all into one? No, we we went by decades. So right now we are in the two thousands, and as of this morning, everybody loves Raymond was ahead of the wire. So people are idiots. Yes, very yes. much so, and now it, it has rightly turned. And yeah. the wire is now supremely in the lead, and we shouldn't have any sort of issues. But my God, what was everyone doing? How did the OC so, make this? Like Grey's Anatomy. Oh, you know, you know who the OC, you know who the OC was? You know who who nominated the OC? Fontana. Cunningham. Fontana uh, had he, one option, and he goes, "You know what? Yeah, we'll we'll throw in the OC." So the the OC was a phenomenon, though. There was a two season window. Where the OC was a phenomenon. Now there was no path for it forward, unlike 90210, its predecessor in the wealthy teen drama category from a decade previous. There was no path for it for the college years. Like it was, it just just died, kind of petered out. Yeah. But the first season or two, that was a that show was a bonanza. I mean, that show spawned like Laguna Beach and all those MTV yep. shows. They all came after that show. Um, so, yeah, I don't have a – there was a moment for that show for sure. That's odd, though. Like, how do you – so here's the thing. Paulus, you, you did, uh, you're not old enough to have watched The Wire in real time, are you? Uh, not in real time. I went back and rewatched it about a year ago, and I'm going to have to do another watching. It's amazing. It's one yeah, of my favorite shows. Yeah, it's, it's you know, that, The Sopranos, like those were – those were so – they set everything that happened forward allowed for it. Those type of shows did. But The Wire did not ever win an Emmy. It wasn't really that popular in the moment. It was not talked about. No, it wasn't that popular. Critics loved it, but it wasn't something that was talked about in the moment. The Sopranos was a phenomenon, um, for sure. But The Wire was not. It wasn't until afterwards that it got a second life when people, you know, at the time before there was HBO Max, there was HBO Go. And when that happened like a decade ago, then people were like able to binge it. That's when it picked on another life because it was it was not a, I was old enough to remember it it was not a hit in in the real no. time. No, yeah, so it, at, not at all. yeah, so as of right now, uh, this is for the brackets for tonight. Uh, we have that '70s show in, in one side of the bracket, that '70s show, Entourage, Sex in the City, and Nip Tuck, and then in Nip, the other Nip Tuck's the best of those four. Oh, see, Entourage, I, nom- I nominated Nip Tuck. Nip Tuck was good. It yep. ran out of steam, too. There was just so much you could do with plastic surgery in Miami. But the first few seasons of that were really strong. Entourage is the most overrated show ever. They, they should have pivoted after season. Of course you did. After season <laughs> one, they should have pivoted to Piven. Like, the kids weren't that interesting. Piven right. was the star of the show. Yes. They should have pivoted to Piven and made it mo- his show with idiots as clients that kept coming in that he had to deal with. Um, you can't build a show off of a star when Vinny Chase can't act. That's the problem with Entourage. <laughs> Oh, there it is. And then the uh, other side of the bracket, obviously, again, once again, uh, The Wire, Everyone Loves Raymond, uh, Grey's Anatomy, and The O.C. 
and Bill yeah, Wire another, wins out there. It reason. was another great series that k- kind of goes. It was it was on FX. Mm-hmm. Rescue me. Rescue me is great. That Dennis got nominated. Leary. I don't think it's in the in the overall thirty-two. Man, there was Dennis Leary was great in that. Or, Towed the line on on a few things. Well, the best, the, honestly, I think the best one of the FX shows in terms of start to finish was Justified. Um, that was that one was the best yeah, of all the. It's sunny. Is that that'll that, be coming out? That's different. Those, those are those are like comedy. Next week. Yeah, the comedy stuff. Like, how do you compare Kenny Powers to The Wire? That like, that'll those, be coming out next week as well. That's almost impossible. So, I, like, I think there's there's the ones that need to be in your list. You need so from AMC. You got to have Mad Men and Breaking Bad. Both. In, yep. From from FX, he's got to have so Nip Tuck's fine. You got to have Justified, Sons of Anarchy is, and The Shield is another one that was really really good. You mentioned Rescue Me. FX had some bangers for a minute there, and then HBO, you've got to have you've got to have The Sopranos, Game Wire, of Thrones. Game of Thrones, Succession, probably if you're well. If you're doing two, no, that so, wouldn't be two thousand. So we are doing two thousands, and then next week it's going to be two thousand tens and twenties. All so, right, so Succession yeah. will be in that with Game yeah, of no Thrones. Um, honestly, the best single season of television I've ever seen is the first season of Deadwood, um, which was an HBO show about the Black Hills in the eighteen eighties, which is stunningly good. I couldn't good, get into a, season two. It's a one one episode. Uh, one, the first season's unbelievable. Yeah. All right, good job out of you guys. Some other questions from Ryan. Bo and Gibby, what are your favorite things to toss on the grill? Anything. Grill slash griddle. I also have a Blackstone. There you go. It's pretty yeah. fantastic. I got um, – so when we did the house, we did a I did a grilling porch where I walk right out, right onto it. So the kitchen – it is right around the corner from the kitchen. So every single thing I do, and all year round, if I can, I grill it. There's yeah. nothing I don't. Well, middle of winter, I'll go out. I'm grilling. Um, trying to think of something that's. I, I, I think almost a, everything's better on the grill. Correct. I am not a big. I'm not a huge seafood guy. I like seafood. Yeah. I'm not a big salmon guy unless I do it on the grill or the griddle. Yeah. And get the crispy skin going. Yeah. Yeah. Give it a nice. Sear. I don't know any. Z and I had that conversation once. I, I don't know anyone who is a big salmon guy. We all eat it because it's good for us. Yeah. But like, I don't know. I, I reject anybody saying that it's that they love salmon. I would agree with that. Uh, love a dog today. Any old school coaches growing up that you couldn't stand? As a five year old, Jerry Glanville grinding my gears. And you're right, Sam Weiss, since he isn't Cleveland. Bob Knight. You know, like Bob Knight. As a kid, I hated him. I like him now. I hated Larry Brown. Yeah. <laughs> I was not a fan of Larry Brown. Well, he, well, he's a Carolina guy. Yeah. So that would make sense. Um, Matt Doherty, I wanted to fight. Yeah. I'm a Duke guy. Yeah. No, it was Bob Knight. And then Bob Knight ended up hunting on my uncle's property in Montana every year. Random pheasant hunting in the nice. middle of north central Montana. Um, so that was always uh, – that was funny how that ended up being that way. He put on a basketball camp. In North Central Montana, so, you know, that was like the exchange. Justify. Yeah, to justify it all. Yeah. H. Snyder, uh, with regards to your traveling, dude, always have to carry on. Yes. We are, we are four and never check a bag. Yes, agreed. Yeah, but, I mean, that's only been possible for us, like, in the last year. Because yeah. up until that point, you have to take all of the stuff for the kids. I mean, they had car seats, all yeah, that stuff. So they can't do this it is the, Now they're all at a, a high enough weight to where we don't have to have the car seats. Uh, Matt, 
Uh, Snyder, does anyone know what happened to Will Fuller? Would seem like a low-risk, high-reward weapon. He can stretch the field. Is only 28. Would be cheap. I'm not sure he's in play now for us. <laughs> yeah, I clearly that that ship has already sailed. I don't even know what happened. What did he? Has he? Did he even play last year? Do you have off-field stuff? Yeah, yeah. I feel like he did. I don't know if he signed with anybody a year ago. So the last time he played was 2021. Yep. He played two games. Played three games, started two with Miami in 2021. So we mentioned him a lot in 20, you know, last year. I don't, I have no idea. Uh, he was a first round pick. Yeah, I know. Out of Notre Dame. Jeez. Enough from the clown. Rapid fire. All right. Uh, Uncle Bo, what will it take for the Buckeyes to get back to the dance next March? Holtman likely safe because of his contract, correct? Yeah, he's safe. Um, they just need these freshmen to come back. If Senzabaugh is a first-round pick, if somehow he could come back and they're trying to get it done in the collective. So maybe if he can come back, those four come back. They have a top five to six recruiting class in the country coming in. If they can land a transfer, they could they could be a real team of consequence next year. But there is some heat on him. I mean, he, he's got to go. Uh, Gibby, as a fellow Falcon alum, what's your best memory from BGSU? Gargoyles, downtown, <laughs> Brat House, and a party I threw called Tower Fest that might have landed me with a number of law enforcement agencies in Northwest Ohio. Um, if you could trade places with anyone for a week, who would it be and why? Just for a week. I always think of you know things that I can't do. So, like, it would be really fun to be, like, a Blue Angels pilot for a week. It would be really fun to be, like, from a bass, like LeBron James for a week or Patrick Mahomes for a week or Rory McIlroy for a week. Probably for me it would be Rory because I've always sucked at golf. And it would be something to just every time you go up there, you just stripe like it. Like yesterday everywhere. when he right. the green. Right. Like, yeah. wouldn't that be fun to just yeah. do that? Um, Z's a really good golfer, so we wouldn't because he he's sim more similar to be able to do I that. Feel like he'd say Larry David. Yeah, could I mean? So I always think like, well, what's something I can't do? I'd like to do that for a week. Would be fun. Thirty seconds. If you could relive any decade of your life, which one would you choose and why? I'm cool where I am. I mean, you don't want to go back to your twenties. That's a mess. Teens are a mess. Like the late nineties, I was thriving. Good. <laughs> it was pretty good. You were thriving. It was, it was pretty good. <laughs> was I mean, peak of people all. might disagree with that. <laughs> oh, that By is the good. way, Eddie Spaghetti, a basketball camp in Montana, two on two or what? Couldn't have been more than five people there. I bet. Oh, Bobby no. No, was... all the little communities would come together. It was in Shelby, Montana. They did it. Actually, Larry Brown did two to hunt. I still have my T-shirt from that, the Larry <laughs> Brown basketball camp. I still have it. <laughs> So much more to come. You'll listen to Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily brought to you by BallyBet. Coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Quite a week. Went into it saying, when are we going to sign some receivers? Go out of it signing two. Elijah Moore via the trade. And then Marquise Goodwin uh, today via free agency. Uh, and now a room that is packed and ready to go. A roster that's pretty packed. A roster that's they, pretty packed. A couple uh, of things, that yeah. just adding depth, but you're 53, away you go, is ready to go. And that's a beautiful thing. I mean, we're March 24th, brother. Yep. 
pretty exactly. good. Pretty good. I'll take that. Let's put free agency to bed and call it a day. I'm with you. I'm with you. Have a great weekend, everybody. Enjoy your vacation. My Thank friend. you, sir. I well, will uh, do the best that we can. Hopefully, we get positive flight vibes tomorrow. You will. Let's hope for the best. Uh, we're back on Monday. The next level is coming up next. Thanks for listening, buddy. Cleveland Browns Daily, 850 ESPN Cleveland. You've been listening to Cleveland Browns Daily, a production of the Cleveland Browns and 850 ESPN Cleveland.